0: Welcome back to Baby Banter, a podcast all about baby development and play with a sprinkle of the reality of parenting. We are recording month four, part two today, and we have a very special guest, Dr. Kyla, in the room. She is the founder of Baby Meal Times. Baby Meal Times is a subscription database filled with balanced meals, inspiration, recipes, finger food ideas, and a step-by-step guide to introducing foods, all designed to make feeding your baby fuss-free. To find out more and join, visit babymealtimes.com.au. I would like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on the traditional lands of the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation. I recognise their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place and acknowledge that they never ceded sovereignty. I pay my respect to the elders, both past, present and future.
1: Hey mum, it's time
0: for Baby Mealtime Welcome back to Baby Banter, month four, part two. We have a very special guest here, my close friend and colleague, Dr. Kyla, a paediatric dietitian. We've tried to record this a few times and I'm fangirling, so I've been stuffing up my words, but she's here today <laughs> to answer Monique and Helen's questions about preparing for solids. So the boys, Gio and Seb, well, Gio's four months and Seb's nearly four months,
2: and it's on your mind, getting I, ready for solids. For sure, is just turned four months today, so Aww. birthday cake, right? No, Gio <laughs> no, really has been eyeballing us eating lately and my husband started to feel really bad eating in front of him and I was like, no, it's. I think it's good because then he's watching how we eat mm-hmm. but I'm not really sure. So, yeah, it's really on my mind about when we'll start him eating because I've noticed that some people start from four months and then... Some people start later, six months, but I don't really know where to start or. And the boys are awake if you can hear them and they're
0: lovely cooing. Hopefully it stays at cooing. (laughs) But that's a great question to kick us off, Kyla. How do we know when? our babies are ready to start solids and why why do some people
3: start at four and some people start at six months like what's a good time great question it it's really interesting though isn't it to see that change and it is a really significant change for babies and knowing that there's kind of about three weeks um, between the boys it's interesting that you can see quite a difference already Mm. like there are some babies who are showing you signs of readiness and that's what we're looking for With solids, is individual signs of readiness. And for most babies, they happen somewhere between four and six months. So some babies will be ready right on four months. Very few of them will be, but there are some who are. Most of them are somewhere in that five-month mark and then some are closer to six months when they're ready to start. So essentially what we're looking for is... And I'm looking at the baby, so it's easy for me (laughs) to see the difference in them. But if you think about when your baby is sitting on your lap or they're sitting in a kind of supported position – you'll notice that as your baby gets more ready for solids, they're actually able to hold their head up really comfortably and they don't have any of this wobble. And when I'm looking at the two babies here right now, you can see, you know, there's still definitely a bit of a wobble in our older baby in Geo, but you can see more of that kind of bobbly head going on here, that kind of wobbling to the side. And essentially we don't want babies to wobble their heads at all when they're eating, right? So they need to have enough head and neck strength that when they're sitting, they're holding those heads really strongly and they're not even, Having that occasional kind of flop off, flop, and you can hear yeah. my my voice changes. I <laughs> yeah, flop on I a Very um, visual here <laughs> in the studio. <laughs> so good for a podcast. Okay. So we're looking for that head and neck strength. Yeah, essentially we want them also to be able to turn their head away from you to say. No, or they could just say no verbally like that as well. Yeah, you're a great <laughs> <laughs> Well done. And we also want some their body strength. And Nick can probably mm. talk about this in her own way as well, but essentially we don't want them sliding down the side of the chair or flopping over the tray. They don't have to be sitting up independently, but we do want them to be able to sit up in a supported space in the high chair. Mm. So physically they're the two things we're looking for, that really strong head and neck control, body control. And the third thing is that interest. So, it's the watching you eat, it's the reaching for the food, it's the mouthing of things, it's the, you know, really wanting to be part of that. And so if your baby's showing you that sign but they don't quite have the head strength yet, then it's probably a couple more weeks away. But if your baby has none of those signs, you're probably at least a month or two away. And so, yeah, the more that they watch and engage, I think this is a great time if he's really watching you eat that you can actually engage him in the, like start practising in the high chair at meal times. He can have some teething toys that he can mouth on and put in the banana from Newbie is a great first kind of teething toy for starting souls. It's long enough to actually get far enough into their mouth to have a go with. So they're great ways you can kind of get him used to that positioning in the high chair so that when we do get to the next stage of actually eating, he's already kind of done yeah, that cool. basic stuff.
2: I'm um, just talking about this little banana from Newbie. Um, <laughs> to start with, when he started using it, he was like gagging yeah. a little bit. Is that quite yeah. normal? Yeah. And I've noticed that his gag reflex has definitely
3: diminished. Yeah. yeah. So, Barn, of what happens when your baby is around this age, they're kind of putting these things in their mouth and working out like, Where that goes, do you know? Like when the first time when they're putting hands in their mouth, teething toys, it's like, oh, that's my cheek, and that's inside here, and I can feel those. And it's not something that they're going to be able to ram down their throat and actually, you know, cause a problem. Um, But it actually gagging is a really normal part of him learning. Like, oh, that went too far back, and it didn't feel comfortable. But also, across this age, that reflex does diminish. So you will see that things that they originally gag on, you know, a couple of months later, they're no longer doing as that move kind of yeah, it gradually moves uh, back. What's the word that I'm looking for? No, integrates. integrates. <laughs> Thank ah, you. Okay. And okay. So it's right on the tip
0: of my. Like tongue. they get strong enough and aware enough that they mm. they overcome that.
3: Yeah, and know. they can okay. they have more control as yeah. that in their mouth, and they actually don't need to expel everything that's in there. Okay. Mm.
1: Cool. Question from a different perspective. When I was teaching a boy who had some like not food sensitivities but like textural he had some issues with textures even when I had him in year three at that stage and apparently he'd had some issues right from early on so like what are we looking for that are good signs and if we see it or anyone that's listening like what would we be concerned about what we need to check in for
3: in terms of if if they're struggling with a texture yeah struggling
1: with progressing in food types food textures food tastes whatever it might be
3: yeah okay so what we're trying to to do at the very start is create a texture that is the easiest texture for them to manage given that they have really no biting or chewing skills. They're only used to swallowing milk at this point. And, and maybe so, no teeth. Yeah. And teeth, to be, to be <laughs> fair, teeth are not really relevant for biting and chewing as for babies. So mm. if you have a little gummy shark baby, you know, lots of the kids I've worked with don't get teeth until after 12 months mm. and they – can chew absolutely fine. So yeah. as babies, they're really not using their grinding molars anyway. They're kind of closer to two you years. You can
2: tell when you put your finger in their mouth and they oh, bite down, your you're like, well, <laughs> 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 yeah,
3: <laughs> Absolutely. So the textures we're aiming for to start with are kind of the easiest options. So if um, you're offering a puree, that's kind of like quite a silky smooth, like a thick pumpkin soup texture. And the idea is that we don't make it a real mash, lumpy, chunky thing at first because the skills that you need in your mouth to kind of separate those parts and move them around are a little bit further down the line. So we're Mm -hmm. aiming to go with the easiest one first. Some babies will nail that first texture and they'll be moving on to mash within a week or two. Other babies will be taking three, four months to get to that point. And so the idea is that we gradually progress along this kind of texture continuum i guess of just challenging them a tiny little bit more each time rather than being like okay we go from puree to a mash to a chunk you actually don't need to kind of do that across yeah exactly they kind of just meld into one another and what might happen is if your baby has it you know you haven't added let's say you've made a, a puree up and you haven't added as much liquid as normal it's quite chunky they might gag on that they might be having a you know a good go at it and then coughing and splattering and part of that is because they don't have the skill or they're still learning that kind of what they have to do when it gets back in the further part of their mouth and so that is a part gagging is actually a part of biting and chewing every time they cough that forward it's like okay that bit was too big that needed more going over and so that's how their brain kind of works it all out but if you think about there are some kids who will have difficulties with texture, who are very sensitive, and they can often be babies who have had, you know, nasogastric tubes early in life. They might have been babies who have had really bad reflux and they're really sensitive about anything going into their mouth because they've learned over, you know, their whole life that putting yeah. things in their mouth hurts. Yeah. They can become really cautious. And there are some babies who are just more sensitive babies who Mm. notice and feel and I would describe myself as a texture person as an adult Mm. who notices and gets bothered by the sensations Mm. in my mouth and it's something we can work with absolutely it's not necessarily something that's wrong or has to be fixed but I do think there is a lot of pressure on parents to like get their kids to a level. Do you know, like if you're 12 months, you should sounds be like eating playing. these things. Yeah. 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 It sounds <laughs> a lot like play. <laughs> it? The same ethos. Yeah. 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 You know don't have to rush it. As, no. Like it's not a race. We have the rest of our lives to eat and so we're just kind of setting up these enjoyable foundations I think something you said to me Kyla when
0: Claire my youngest had bad reflux not not painful but happy chuck it but she's just struggled with introducing to solid so I did Kyla's baby meal times and also texted her frequently which I'm sure annoyed her to no end but she, she kept saying to me Nick food before one is just for fun
3: did mm. I say that? That actually isn't something isn't, I say. Really? No. Should we cut that bit? I would cut that bit, All right, yeah. let's cut there. Let's go the, back well, to the reflex. Well, you could reflux. ask me because mm. you but could, didn't you say that to me? I, I think food for one is about learning and fun yeah. and exposure. I don't think it's just, just for fun because I think maybe that Maybe really we shouldn't cut
0: that bit. Maybe I was just so sleep deprived that's how I interpreted it.
3: Well, <laughs> maybe for you that was yeah. what was most important. It mm. wouldn't be my general statement because that tends to be the the line that's fed to people by like baby led weaning groups uh. is like Food before one th- is just for fun. Yeah. But it's not also because they need iron. Right.
0: Yeah, which we'll talk about in a minute. And, and it's about it? learning. Yeah, right. And it's mm. definitely
3: not about like finding the right amount for them to eat. It's definitely not about mm. like they have to do all of these things. Mm. Fun is definitely a part of it. But you also can't be like, oh, it's just for fun. So I maybe, won't offer it Maybe today. we should change
0: it to food before fun should be fun. No. food before <laughs> one. <laughs> food before one
3: should be fun. Or all food should I be fun. I would argue like it should just be enjoyable. Yeah. every. Yeah. everything for the rest of your
0: life and I think that was really hard (laughs) for me (laughs) because yeah Yeah. Claire was really really struggled with that introduction to solids and like meeting the expectations of how much and when and like she didn't really love it and so your principles in your program really helped make it a lot more fun yeah, and take that stress
3: off. I entirely. wonder if that's it. If it's actually mm. about it felt more fun, fun for, for me. you. Yeah, for me it fun. You yeah. could just enjoy that time with her and yes. meet her where she's at, rather yeah. than like we're falling behind. Yes. I need to bring her along. I need to go I to the know next teacher. T- t- principles in
0: my
2: play and development. Yeah, Why and I I'm think that something in our messages. Yeah. I'm like, so excited to start. <laughs>
1: yeah, and like, then, what are you like, even what talking you? about? Yeah,
2: and a lot of mums I talk to are like, no, that phase can wait completely. I think it's (laughs) because
1: I felt like I have absolutely no idea whatsoever. And one of the things a pediatrician said, like before we were dismissed from hospital was like basically just milk until six months, not even any water. And that was kind of the thing that stuck in my mind. So I was like, oh, we're ages away from that. And then mom's asking all these questions and I'm like, should I be thinking about this yeah. as well? It's so much
3: information. It comes out there. quickly, doesn't it? Because I feel like you've just kind of like, okay, now we know what we're doing with breastfeeding. Yeah, we just or bottle got feeding. feeding. Like <laughs> we've just started just this. Out How out can we be changing days. it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've I just got the hang of breastfeeding yeah, now. Absolutely, no. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I do think, like, the thing that frustrates me most is the. The number of scary messages yeah. or the number of panic-driven, you know, you must do it this way, you can't do it wrong. And that's mm. that just goes against everything, I believe. And unfortunately, I think people are given really poor advice mm. generally yeah. about food. I
1: agree. I think we've talked about that in general, like yeah. with all the different things. Like we were even saying in our first and second months, like the nurses in hospital were all saying different things. The child health nurse that came to the house was saying different things. And mm. it's like, oh, my goodness, I already am feeling confused. And tired and overwhelmed and then this was the opposite of that. And And it just drives you to Google, right? And that's like, Mon, you
0: were saying like – like, do I introduce with Apple? Well, this person says, don't. Like, what do I? And, like, I was like, I don't know. We'll get color in. <laughs> I don't know. But I guess that's probably a key point is like, what's probably like your top three most frustrating, like, statements that you hear on social
3: media or from other people? Like, what are the things that really grind your gears? The things that grind my gears, you have to do it a certain way. Yeah. Right. And a lot of that pressure comes from choosing a, a camp. Do you know, are you in the baby led weaning camp or are you in the puree camp? <laughs> I think you can duck in and out of both camps to be fair your but your own camp. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, join the Dr. Kyler camp that's a much more fun place to. <laughs> I agree. I think there's kind of that black or white thing. Mm. One of the other things that frustrates me about solids is this like, oh, you can't give them that at that age. Mm. You know, oh, you have to wait till this age for whatever. And actually okay. apart from honey Mm. From a a food safety point of view, there's a risk of kind of botulism poisoning with honey under 12 months, which is a completely different thing, but just no honey is the hard and fast rule. Easy, yeah. And the other kind of general rule is about not adding salt and sugar. I actually Mm. wanted to ask about that because
1: one of my friends had said like her baby's a bit over a year old and she'd shown me when I was pregnant, like, oh yeah, we make this up and this is like avocado with a bit of breast milk or whatever. And she was like, even though we're starting to cook more interesting stuff, it's still got no seasoning.
3: What is it about that? Like, is it is it the gut? Is it taste it's kidney size? function it? okay. mainly? So okay. the salt, the amount of salt in our food generally is quite high, mm. and babies just have such immature kidneys that we don't need to add salt, and we just don't need to flavour things with salt. So Mm -hmm. avocado on its own is actually quite exciting, especially if you've had breast milk only Mm, up until that point. (laughs) But you can definitely use seasoning. You can use garlic and you can use all Mm -hmm. sorts of herbs and spices. But from us, we just don't need to add salt. There's mm -hmm. nothing terrible that's going to happen if you accidentally do, but it just wouldn't be my standard. So there are only hard and fast rules. Honey, sugar and salt. Ideally, don't give them to your baby, right? But these kind of everything else, as long as you make the texture safe for them to bite you and swallow you Mm. can you know offer citrus you can offer lentils you can offer there are so many random rules out there that have no evidence behind them Mm. you know meat at night don't offer them meat at night because they can't sleep that is completely false and you'll hear all these random things and as soon as someone gives you a black and white fact I think that's when you need to be like Hang on, that Are raises a red sure? flag for yeah. me. Why wouldn't I be able to give them, you know, mm. strawberries? We talked this point? about that a lot, black and white. Yeah. Black and white statements. Yeah. And always just ask for the evidence
0: if they give you a bat, black and white statement.
3: Absolutely. So that would be my second issue. My third mm. issue is that you have to feed your kids the most magical, perfect foods in the world. And I do not believe... <laughs> the kindy believe- <laughs> lunchboxes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Modern <Helena school> <laughs> I don't mm. believe that you need to be buying superfoods or new foods that your family don't already enjoy. Actually, what we're trying to do is teach our kids to enjoy family mm. foods. And you can be a bit adventurous. Like, there's ways to kind of incorporate new tastes for the whole family. Mm. But I don't think you need to be, you know, sourcing the only most organic bones that you can find and boiling them down like you really don't Who has have to, time for that yeah, you just don't have to put yourself under that pressure i think there's so much guilt though that yeah. comes into feeding like it really it overwhelms lots of people mm-hmm. and yeah i think you can do a, a really great job without throwing yourself under a bus
2: yeah. yeah yeah and would you advise like keeping it simple so once you do start introducing solids how often would you be offering solids to the baby? once a day yeah. as a starting yeah, nice. point
3: yeah and our aim is kind of by about eight months to get towards three meals okay. and some babies will get there really fast like if you have a baby who eats one meal a day and they live for that like they love it yeah. you're enjoying it you're like cool we've got this you can absolutely add in a second <sighs> if everybody's still finding their feet like Ooh, i'm not sure about this and i'm feeling a bit anxious like it can take and they can- would definitely like vibe off of the
2: way you're feeling as well for I sure yeah. yeah
3: yeah which i mean can feel a bit intimidating right if you're like i actually feel quite anxious about this like i don't want to pass this on yeah. and i think part of that is about upskilling yourself and getting that support and confidence so that you don't have to second guess things like i do not want people to feel like they need to be googling and worrying and like i think it's really helpful to have one clear like okay this is my philosophy with feeding and this is how we're going to go no different to play like yeah. you don't have to do all the things. Google can be a deep dive rabbit hole oh, we've talked really about.
0: really risky. And you just don't know, like I think also like Kyla on her website and on Instagram, like your professional credentials are there and clear and you're contactable, mine are too. Like if you can't find information about someone that's saying something, that's a red flag for me. Absolutely. And often on when you Google things, you just get blogs that are mm. just been hit by hit by hit by hit. And if you can't find anything about – where that's come from, or any research or evidence to back that up, I would be, I'd be sus and try and look for like we talked about in month two, try and look for someone that has credentials that you is in line with your values mm. and can provide you that clear philosophy because the mixed messaging can be so harmful.
3: I think with food, one of the things that is most challenging for us in this, like in a dietetic profession, is that everybody eats food, yes. so everybody has an opinion mm. about food, and so you can accidentally get caught up in all the the diet culture messaging all of the phobia Mm. stuff all of the panic all of the thought that you know food can kill you and food can food is medicine and all of those things are not actually true yeah so I think we can we can keep it really simple and if it feels overwhelming that's a good sign to like dial it back to the basics yeah Mm. Mm. you just I think it's also like you feel like
0: if they're not, you know, it's like when you first start feeding either bottle or breastfeeding when they're a baby and you're weighing them in to like, are we reaching and are we progressing on our charts? And then you introduce yeah. solids, which changes the dynamics. And you almost feel this heavy responsibility that you're responsible yes. for their growth and development. And it's it's overwhelming. Either their like will was ginormous, which I talked about in month one 13 kilos at six months. And like, I got told he was obese and he might have these problems and we needed these tests and like, I was beside myself and it was that mixed messaging, but finding someone that you can rely on that can give you – actually, that's just him on the scale and he's always going to be on the 110th percentile. That's just who he is. And now he's a thriving seven-year-old, but you can't see that at six months. Yeah. And so I think that's where you you probably have lots of stressed, anxious Absolutely. parents because you just feel that responsibility
3: as But it's really hard when you get given advice like that because that – even if you can find, you know, evidence that that's not true, mm. it's like a little worm that yes, sits in it's your in brain. brain. I I think I'm about so it at 3 my a.m. Mind, because mm. he's
2: almost nine kilos already, mm. yeah. which is big, quite large for his age. And I'm like, what happens if I start feeding him solids? Is he going to, like, blow out even more? <laughs> <laughs> not that he, like, looks chunky <laughs> <He's> <laughs> or anything. Beautiful. He's just tall. He's very improper No, but it's that
3: wormhole in your brain. But- and I think if I can counter that, the only person that knows how much he needs is him and so if you can keep that mantra in your head like my job is to feed him until he says I don't want any more yeah. Because actually it does play into like you. you do you can fall into patterns where you're like, Oh, maybe I should not offer him more of this or if you've got any weird beliefs about food, you know, I know lots of people have been told things like, Oh, limit dairy or products or watch out for carbohydrates. Yeah. Like those things are not true. Yeah. Your job is to offer a variety of the food groups and to trust him to eat as much as he needs. Okay. And that is actually how we support babies, toddlers, children to do this for the rest of their life, right, to not get caught. Variety
2: is a spice of life. Yes, variety is the spice of life. <laughs> yeah. you, don't,
0: you don't need a plate with portion sizes. <laughs> you do not need a plate with portion sizes. <laughs> oh. I think
1: talking about like how much and both having big boys and that kind of thing, one of the questions I had this month because Seb started being a bit more vomity than he was before. He's always been quite gassy and burpy but a bit more vomity in the last couple of weeks. So when he's still mostly breastfed he normally has like one bit of formula a day is it possible to overfeed him like if he's throwing up after feeding or or spitting up after feeding does that mean he's had too much or is that
3: very unlikely no unless there are like medical issues going on which you know lots of babies are really just finding their vibe at this point do you know like how much feels good because they're laying down so much it's also a really tricky thing because I know Nick's talked about that Sphincter in the stomach and all of those things. Part of it is just development. So I definitely am not of the opinion that you can overfeed unless you are like really overriding a baby's cues and trying to really, f- you know, push the end of the bottle or keep kind of going. Then you can absolutely trust them to take what they need, just what they need. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nice.
2: With regards to keeping it simple, yes. i um, on social media a lot, of them, which can be bad. <laughs> yeah. But also you guys are on there and your advice seems to be amazing. Thank you. Thank you. It's a little light <laughs> in the darkness. <laughs> There's like a few companies out there that create like pouches or little things you put in the freezer like Tiny Turtle. Yeah. What is your thoughts I on love companies them. like that?
3: love them. Just to keep it simple. Yeah. At the um, start. Particularly, so there's a lot of small batch production now, which is what Tiny Turtle in Perth is like. Nice. You know, there's versions on the East Coast like Le Puree and they're basically, they're kind of prepped and then and smosan- frozen, frozen <laughs> in small portions. And I think that's a really great time saver. It's a really great way to get a variety. So like in the variety packs, you can get, you know, five different veggies, all the different fruit. Like nice, it's just yeah. an easy way to do it. So I'm all for that. In terms of the kind of packaged options in the supermarket, you, I would really encourage you not to Google some of the things mm. around there. There's a lot of fear-mongering around mm. food. My main caution is that food produced in the supermarket or like sold in the supermarket, is produced in kind of big batches and it's really impossible to create a similar texture at home. So if your baby eats a lot of those foods, they can get really specific around the texture because it's such a silky, smooth, gelatinous Mm, kind of thing. But it's just not reflective of kind of food that you make at home that sometimes is a bit bumpy or sometimes is a bit more bitter or sometimes tastes different. Mm-hmm. And those foods tend to have a lot of fruit in them. So they do tend to kind of err on the side of sweetness. And I have zero issues with fruit and sweetness being in food. But if you get used to things being always sweet, then it doesn't help your baby to learn to like a yeah. variety of food. Yeah. So I
2: started snooping at the super chemist and supermarket at the prepackaged food because I was just curious what's in there. Yeah. And some of the brands, is like 70 to 80%... Apple, no yeah. matter what packet you choose. And I was like, whoa, that seems like it would be really sweet.
3: Yeah. And it's cheap and easy, yeah. you know, to fill with. And I guess it's tricky because when you look on the front of the thing, it's like, oh, lentil, carrot and, you know, cheese. And then and you then turn it like, over oh, oh and you're like,
2: no. <laughs> yeah.
3: The lentil percentage is percent, percent. Five percent. <laughs> what?
2: And But I, like, some of them seem like they're better, like, with regards to what's <laughs> the percentages of different things. Yeah.
3: And like. there are definitely some versions. All of them are safe. Yes. From a, like exposing your baby to a variety of things. I think they're a really great option to have in the bag should you need it, to take to parents' houses, you know, like to have as a backup. Ideally, they're not my kind of go-to at every meal. And if for some reason you were in a situation where you needed to do that, it can be as simple as adding a little bit of something else or, you know, mixing things together, serving them with a finger food. Like I appreciate there are lots of reasons that you might need to use them at a time and that's fine. There's definitely nothing you need to be scared about. Okay. Because mm. I'm travelling to Bali
2: at six months. Super. Mm. So I was thinking Perfect. if he is on solids and buying some of those satchels yep. just to keep it a bit more clean with regards to yep. different yeah. you And can being able to read traveling. the labels.
3: <laughs> oh, so true. <laughs> yeah. They actually have quite a lot of baby food delivery services now in Bali that they? offer options. But absolutely Very like good. to have in your suitcase, to be able to take down. And then you can serve them alongside, you know, like some of the baby bananas at the buffet. Do so you know, like cute. They're the yeah. great yeah. options for the And they're pre-packaged. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> (laughs) in their own skin.
2: yeah. You
1: just said the term finger food. Are you talking about anything specific? Like, is that things that they can
3: hold or is that hard versus puree or what does that refer to? So finger food is basically food that they can hold in their hand or in their fingers. And the way that I like to talk about food for babies is a combination of things like are fed on a spoon and that can be your baby feeding themselves or being fed by you with a spoon and then finger foods that they can feed themselves. So at the start, before six months, we're looking at finger foods that your baby can kind of – are quite big and firm and your baby can hold on to but they're not for eating. They're for kind of moving around in the same way that we were talking about with that teether. You don't break off parts of it. You just kind of explore – your mouth with it so the mesh kind of or silicon feeders that you can get you know there's a variety of them that you can put food into and your baby can hold on to and have a chew they're the kind of things that before six months if your baby was ready to start you could be practicing with once they're ready for eating and usually for finger food we're waiting till about 6 months to be starting with foods that are finger foods for babies at around 6 months are usually one to two fingers in size so adult fingers in size they're quite big they're quite long your baby can pick them up with your their whole hand and there's still kind of a little bit poking out the end but that food is so soft that If they squash it too much with their hand or as soon as they put it in their mouth and squash it with their tongue or their gums, it kind of just melts away. It's a really smushable texture at the start. It's kind of like... Like the pre puree version, right? So, like, mm-hmm. once they put it in their mouth, it really is softening away, not holding on in kind of big chunks or bits that they have. So, to. anything you can like squish between. It's almost like the fingers. pressure if you're at like the dry cleaner and you ding the bell, like, it's a really soft okay. Well, press. Okay, that's a good analogy. Yeah, I it's like not that. a like squeeze or have to crush. Yeah. And to be honest, at the start, they're mostly. Fruit or veggies, like the way that you cook them. So, like a ripe avocado is a great mm. example, but also like a steamed kind of um, finger of pumpkin. That's would be great news because my family grows avocados. <laughs> <laughs> Check <Ooh. laughs> avocado baby, Geo the avocado. <laughs>
0: Very good.
3: Hey Kyla, when do babies develop taste buds in the womb? Okay, from the beginning. So it's likely that your baby will have. um. Will be aware of flavors like they will have tasted that in the amniotic fluid early on. So, um, So we like oysters. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a good
0: question. Is there a link between foods that mum or mums eat in the when they're pregnant or while they're breastfeeding and a baby's preferences when they start solids?
3: Not really. Like, there is some evidence that they are exposed to those flavours and exposed to those food proteins. But not in – like, if you're just surviving and you've eaten, like, you know, just (laughs) – Yeah, and, like, chocolate bars because you literally just cannot get enough in. That is not – like, you have not done any damage in terms of, like, not – eating the most perfect meal and, you know, <laughs> setting them up for that. There is some evidence they're aware of the proteins and the fla- uh, the flavours and that those proteins can pass through, but not to the point that we would be recommending or kind of worrying mm. about what that might mean. Mm. And there are, even if that has happened, there are some babies who are going to be more adventurous and some babies who are going to be less adventurous and maybe that plays a tiny part. Mm. But And they go through phases, right? 100%. Yeah. For the rest of their lives, like, yeah. to be fair, so do we, right? Mm. Yes. But... There are going to be periods where your baby eats a lot and you're like, okay, well, whoa. And then roll. there's times when they eat nothing and it's really important in those times that we don't kind of try and assign too much meaning to them because there are going to be ebbs and flows and actually a baby eating the same amount each time is not helpful, it's not needed, yeah. you know, it's not a realistic... And it's not typical. No, like it's, it's not, not Like you don't see... And like, because they we can't don't communicate yeah. with words, like, mm. you just
2: got to read the signs. Yeah. Like, yeah.
3: And I think that feels quite scary at first when you're thinking about reading signs of a baby when like I don't even know what I'm doing here how do I know what you're doing here but that is probably one of the biggest take-home messages here is like if your baby is showing you that they want more and that might be like leaning in opening their mouth enjoying themselves you know really leaning into it then great keep feeding them if they're showing you that they're distracted they're getting really wifery with their hands you know they're turning their head they're closing their mouth they're really not part of it then you can absolutely stop even if that's been three minutes you know you don't have to persevere or like do it in a particular way yeah do we introduce like
1: playing with the food or grabbing the food or whatever separately or is that part of
3: it can be absolutely part of it like part of that is their exploration and i think Mealtimes at the beginning really are about just exploring. Mm. And so some babies will explore with their hands for a while before they feel confident putting it to their mouth and that's fine. We never have to rush them. You can absolutely have food like I like to always have a little bit of something on the tray, whether it's a finger food or a dollop of puree. And ideally, if you've got puree, I, I love to have three spoons on the go at a time mm. so that your baby can always take it from you and you don't have to wrestle it back. Oh, and you can right. actually yeah. have this kind of rotation of things and Really our aim is like getting to a point where your baby enjoys it and they want to do it themselves and they want to be part of it. We're actually never about like doing whatever we need to get the most in. That's not the focus here. So as part of like natural development, your baby will most likely want to touch and smush and smear it in their hair and all of those things are learning. And I don't think you need to facilitate it as such. You just kind of have to have a bit of food available that they can do that with. I think Gio agrees with you.
0: Yes. <laughs> He's like oh, I'm ready. I am ready for like the banana. Carla, <laughs> I have a question. I like I get a lot of questions about independent sitting. So babies will sit anywhere between sort of four and nine months independently. And some families say, Well, shouldn't I wait till they're sitting to introduce solids? Which can be, you know, seven or eight months. But I think that there's some evidence that we should introduce food sooner. And so that's where I would support them with know, postural control or different adaptations to help them sit in the high chair. But can you help the listeners understand
3: why it's important to introduce around that six-month mark? Yeah, so one of our major, I mean, there are a couple. The major reason really is around iron requirements. So for most babies, the iron that they're born with, so they're born with a certain store of iron and that can be less for preemie babies, something just to keep in the back of your mind. And the amount of iron that they're getting from breast milk or formula plus what's kind of in their reserves is enough to meet their needs until about six months of age and after the age of six months those requirements go up and so it's really hard to meet them based on you know milk alone so Mm. part of the reason that we introduce solids is to add in those complementary foods and ideally we want to be including foods that are high in iron at most meals shall i put you all on the spot what's what's a high iron food Broccoli. It's
1: broccoli. Wrong I don't know. know. No, I'm a
0: physio. Um, I was going to say like a steak, but then I couldn't picture my six month old sitting with a steak. But you could puree it, but you know. Maybe Tiny Turtle can do
3: that for me. Exactly. Meat is a really um, great source of iron. Um, Any kind of chicken, fish, nuts, eggs, seeds, lentils, legumes, tofu, tempeh, Mm. all of your kind of protein protein. foods Mm. other than dairy foods, right? Mm, So they're our our iron rich foods. Now, they are really tricky textures for new babies to start with. And this is why I really like a combo of puree and finger foods because most of those foods need a lot of biting, chewing, you know, to to make them safe enough to swallow. And so they're great. High iron foods are great to include in purees, right? They're really easy ways to add um, iron into the diet. And so, that's probably one of the major reasons. We also know there's kind of a period of between kind of seven and nine months. That's quite a key period for chewing development. Mm. So, we don't really want to be waiting until babies are fully able to sit before they can start to master Mm. some of those skills. We know from an allergy point of view, ideally, we want to be introducing um, at least egg and peanut before eight months of age. Yep. like there are lots of numbers here and yeah. it really is just based on our best evidence that we have and it's i don't think that we need to wait for something like mm. sitting to be able to do that we've got no evidence that that would be our best no. Just touching back on allergens,
2: is there kind of an order that you should introduce allergens or how a, do way, you do that? Yeah. a way
3: of introducing them? Yeah, allergens yeah. are one of these things that I think cause too much stress for yeah. what they should. So they, it's really important. There's nine common allergens that represent 90% of food allergies in babies, right? So our, our guideline is to introduce those nine foods before your baby turns one. Okay, Because we know that there's a window there where if we can introduce them early we have a better chance of preventing a food allergy from developing Mm. part of that is about offering them regularly as well in that time so if you introduce them i generally talk about having three times in a week where you're offering a small amount of that food and i'll talk through the foods in a sec um, but then actually kind of keeping on offering it ideally once a week ongoing. And that takes a little bit of thinking about, but I I really don't want it to cause distress and worry. And it, it definitely can because, you know, thinking about a food allergy and your child having a food allergy can feel really big and scary and all of the things. And all that we can do as parents, right, is is do our best and introduce it. If you have a a reaction, as, as long as you are able to get medical support at that time, whether it's at your GP for a kind of mild reaction or you call an ambulance for a significant reaction, we know that with appropriate medical condition, your child will be absolutely fine. So there is... I'll throw in this stat, which seems really scary, but actually we've never worldwide had a baby die from exposure to a food allergen in that first year of life, right? And ultimately that's what we're panicking about, right? Something Mm, really bad is going to happen and I'm not going to know what to do and, you know, it's going to cause this huge issue. And actually, no, if there is a problem, you always call for help. But actually, you know, we can do everything we can to prevent it. You're not going to, it's no guarantee, but our job is just to kind of introduce these foods in that first year of life. In terms of the order, there's no strict rule. We've got the best evidence around egg and peanut, and I would encourage you to choose those in your first kind of offerings. So we've got egg, peanut, cow's milk, wheat, soy, sesame, shellfish, uh, fish, tree nuts. Okay. They're our kind of nine. Egg and peanut are the ones that are in our food supply so commonly yeah. that make life hard in the future if um, you do have an allergy to those. So I generally would kind of try and work through those and we, we our best evidence is before eight months. So, you know, you've still got lots of time to mm. get there. You don't have to rush through them. It's okay to build your confidence with foods generally. And then it's just about including small amounts of those in your baby's food that they already eat, and nice. there are heaps of recipe options and things if you need it. But yeah, to correct me
0: if I'm wrong, but I think you have an ebook. Oh, my friend, I have an allergy on, e-book. Yeah. on introducing allergens. <laughs> I didn't want to strike <laughs> the out for the third no. time on this podcast <laughs> with the wrong information. But um, yeah, so Kyle, I'll link that in the show notes to Kyla's Allergen Introducing Allergen Ebook because it's really helpful. Yeah, and as
3: a baby mealtimes member, you get free access.
1: To- yes. Also, also, like, what if you're a parent who does have an allergy or an intolerance and can you safely
3: introduce something to your baby if you are not able to have it yourself? Yeah so it depends on the degree of your allergy and how much it can be around you if you have it in the house. For babies who have a parent with a food allergy there is a slightly higher chance that they will have a food allergy too, but not necessarily to the same food. So mm. if you have a peanut allergy, it's not a guarantee that your child will have a peanut allergy specifically. So it really depends on the level of your allergy. If you have an anaphylactic allergy to a food and you don't have it in the house, and that's a really great one to outsource to grandparents oh, yeah. to introduce. Oh, that's
2: a good idea.
3: If you have an allergy, but it's fairly, you know, minimal, you just don't tolerate it particularly well if you have an intolerance or something, then you could absolutely offer it to your baby in a safe way. That means you're not licking your fingers or whatever you're doing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, my husband's allergic to sesame, but he only
2: developed that allergy like after 30.
3: And that's an interesting point because re- technically you can be allergic to anything and you can be allergic to anything at any point in your life. Yeah. So it's not even like a guarantee of, you know, when you actually get into the depths of it, like it's quite confusing. So... Mm. Control the controllables.
0: (laughs) That's a a good (laughs) motto. I like that one. Control the controllables. I'm really scared to comment on anything about food. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, I'll correct you. I know. (laughs) With
2: Um, your baby mealtime subscription, do you have resources on there that are like... I don't know if you're into ideas like checklists and stuff like that or if that just causes more confusion for people or just recording the types of food that you've given them at different points.
3: Yeah, so we've got a record. We toyed with the idea of a checklist and if you Google, like if that's something that you're into, you can Google top 100 food checklists. I find that it tends to just cause more stress Mm, and this is why we've moved well away from... Sample meal plans or, you know, how to feed your baby at six months, for example, because if your baby eats more than that, you're freaking out. If your Mm. baby eats less than that, you're freaking out. If you offer this particular food and they refuse to eat it, then you're panicking, like, now I've missed a step. Like, what's going on? And Actually, I think those rigid rules... Like it's great to go for variety, but the more rigid or the more you feel like, oh, gosh, we haven't ticked off another one this week, like we're falling behind. Like I never yeah. think that's helpful for anybody. I know. And I think know.
0: what is really highlighting, which we've spoken a lot about, is that we are looking at your baby's stage of development because there's so much variance at their age. And so yes. stage over age, especially. Definitely. There's, there's so yeah. much development in this early, especially yeah. in the first year, that it's really hard to – you know and you guys know that as school teachers when you're yes. teaching a year um, of kids, there's so much variance in the class, but all of a sudden we expect every six month old baby to be exactly the same yeah. and do exactly the same thing with the same exactly. amount, or
3: roll you know, all of those things together. So yeah. we've actually just never no the way almost yeah. completely away from age within the membership, mm. so actually, there's nothing. Done by age. It's all to do with like if your baby can do these things, this would be next. If mm-hmm. your baby can I handle these kinds of foods, these would be next. Just like in the baby play Just academy. Like, <laughs> you guys aren't <laughs> friends, are you? We don't have
2: wine and talk about these things. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't yeah. You a lot of the things if you can kind of take a deep breath and, and watch a little bit, I think a lot of the things will happen in front of you and you don't need to kind of like make it happen, yeah. It's Let okay it happen to just naturally. Kind of roll. Yeah. I, the
2: hashtag you have on your Instagram, oh, same, same food, same time. Part. Yeah. <laughs> so is that something that we can start thinking about right from the start as a bit of a motto? Maybe you like,
3: can. I don't want it to cause stress for babies because it can be tricky. Like if you are making yourself, you know, red curry or something. Yes, that's quite salty. That's got like steak in it. That's a tricky texture. Like there, it is. It is something you need to be considerate of for babies. Like it can be difficult to have exactly the same food. And whilst our aim is to kind of get there, you (laughs) might find that like perhaps they have the broccoli that's cooked in that curry, but they also have something else. Put put aside portions. Absolutely. Things as you're cooking them. Yep, that can be a really useful way to think about it. And there are times when you know you can eat porridge together at the same time and you the more your baby can be part of your meal time and the less you feel like you have to do all their jobs and then kind of feed yourself at some other unknown hour yes. I think that's really great
0: when the kids were little, we would take your motto and just sit at the table together. Yeah. Like if, if we couldn't have the same foods, it was just – and not every single moment of the day because that was really hard and yeah. hubby was at work or, you know, things were happening, but we'd try and just at one
2: point in the day sit together at the table and enjoy food of some sort. Yep. And is it is it almost more important to set up the, like, right mealtime routines –
3: I think everything can be flexible. Yeah. Yeah, Everything can be flexible. Like, if you do know, I found it hard to actually, even as a pediatric dietitian who focuses on that, to do that with my first baby, to have us all even to have food ready for us all at the same time was just beyond my capability at that time. Yeah. And it wasn't probably until she was closer to eighteen months I was like, Cool, now we're in a space where like we're gonna deliberately do this at dinner time and we're gonna make a real effort to be together and do those things. So I don't think you have you can always do something differently if you want to so okay. don't feel like you must get it right now because then like their naps will drop down and one and bedtime yeah. changes and then everything changes and yeah. so it's it's great like definitely pump yourself Having up if you sit ideals. down <laughs> if you sit down and eat something at the same time like a hundred percent pat yourself on the back okay but like do not beat yourself up if you're like oh we just have to get through this moment yeah Fair enough. Especially I think my husband
2: we, works late. And yeah. I'm like ah, forcing him to come un- home early. <laughs>
0: underestimate like well, a lot of the focus in the social media and other world is like, what can we do for our baby? But actually, like the best thing that we can do for our baby is be Observe. in a better space for ourselves. Yeah, look after ourselves. Yeah. Because like it is, it's all about mental like your capacity and your well being. But it's so hard because you feel so responsible for these little things and like when Will was little, we did all the same things I do with Claire, but I would have been in no state to share that on social media or, mm. um, or enjoy or, it sometimes or, enjoy you know? it, you know, or, you know, help anybody else even though that was my job. Like I was just, you know, you're coping by yourself. So it's really it's really tricky, but I really love your
3: philosophy, Claire. I think yeah, one of my really favourite reassuring. things unrelated to meals or maybe is related to meals and everything, is sometimes you have to – well, I think most of the time you should do what's best for the family, not what's always best for the baby. And mm. sometimes what's actually best for the baby is that the family is taken care of and it means you're eating later or you're doing something different. And that's – yeah, I never want us to be like I can only do the very best thing I can in this situation for them because – Striving yeah. for perfection just sets you up for stress and failure. Yeah. failure. You, can't, you can't. You cannot mm. – a perfect parent, you cannot feed your baby perfectly and trying to get there is Doomed to fail. No, <laughs> enjoy it. The biggest thing I want Tony you to think about. <laughs> the biggest yeah. thing I want mm. you to think about is like enjoy. And if you are, if your baby's eating and you're not, like enjoy that time. Watch and learn. Don't feel like I need to get more in. Don't feel like oh, I need to click keep it clean, or I need to keep them clean, or I need to get them to pick up this one thing that they're ignoring. Like that takes the joy out to. of it. You don't have to. You can just yeah. enjoy. Like, look at them, look at their faces they're pulling. Look at what mouth is doing now look at how this has changed like yeah. that enjoyment is is critical for everybody for the rest of their lives around food I think yeah
2: mm. and I love food yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want, want him to love, food. to love food absolutely yeah.
3: Kyla there's probably
0: one more question that I think everyone has been thinking about what would you recommend to look for when buying maybe a seat for
3: the table I think you should be looking for Dr. Kyla's high
2: chair. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to buy it, but it's not. I know, <laughs> I know. So, so if so. you're
0: listening anytime in August 2023, the high chair is probably not released yeah. yet. But if it's later, maybe 2024, whenever you're listening to this, Kyla is producing a high chair, which is fabulous, that has some principles of yes, what we look for. I'll and explain. if it's <laughs> not available, watch, watch something
3: that we should look for now. Okay. So, what you want is a chair The primary thing that I'm looking for in some kind of seat or chair is an adjustable footrest. And so what we want is that when your baby is in a seated position, we never want them reclined when they're eating. We want them in a seated position. We want them to have some support behind their back. But we want their feet to be able to rest on a foot support so that their feet can be flat. And at the beginning, it depends, you know, depending on how big the chair is or small your baby is or the other way around. For some babies at the very start their legs will likely stick straight out, but as their legs get a slightly a little bit longer, they'll get a bend at their knees. We want that bend to be about 90 degrees and we want there to be a really firm support underneath their feet. Most high chairs, I mean part of the reason that I'm making a high chair is because I'm so frustrated with what's on the market and it doesn't really seem to have been made with children in mind and Mm. there might be like a foot support on there but it's fixed at a certain level that Mm. when your baby is you know two it fits them but if they're any younger or any older you know they're either banging on it or dangling and it's the same for the foot support reason I mean, Nick can talk about it from a support point of view, but if you think about yourself sitting on a chair. You sit on a bar stool and there's no foot thing. You're like, oh, this well is are, so uncomfortable. And you're bending and you're kneeling and you're standing up and correcting your posture all the yeah. time. And actually when babies are, particularly when they're starting to eat, like if they are having to work extra hard to hold themselves upright in this position because their feet Don't touch anything. It just takes up so much of their energy unnecessarily. So we want them to be really comfortable. We can pad out the high chair mm. in different ways. So if you've got a, a smaller baby starting and they're kind of swimming in a chair, ideally we want their—we don't want their arms to be kind of up by their ears in this kind of Superman position where they're <laughs> flying. Ideally, their kind of hands are easily able to rest on the tray and their elbows are below their shoulders mm. when they're sitting in that position. But again, we can kind of boost them up. We can add in padding as needed. The adjustable foot support is probably the most important Thing for me mm. a lot of them I mean some of the challenges are you trip over yeah. <laughs> the, the legs stick out so much it's for the so support black like the, yeah oh. <laughs> you want something my, my second most important thing is that it's easy to clean and mm. It, as soon as you've got cushioning or padding or seams in a high chair, I just think it's a breeding ground for bacteria, all, sorts, all sorts of, of things. Yeah. And just like you don't want to have to clean it in the same way that if any product has a really firm lip that you have to like use a toothpick to clean, or mm. if you have, you know, there One are of those a- cup holders yeah. that you just can't. And if there are just kind of notches, <laughs> if you look underneath the tray and there's like this crisscross of honeycomb kind of diagonal Aww. lines that mean that you have to get into each section to clean it out, that is not fun for everybody. And I
0: think for, especially for first-time parents, like you go into the baby shop and there's all these like beautiful cushioned high chairs that are a little bit reclined and the footrest is really long and you're yeah. like, looks really nice, but actually then you start feeding your baby and you're like, oh, my God, this is totally not, not practical. practical. Yeah. And I think like you're Oh my god, to strike out for number three here, (laughs) but your um, recommendation of just like while you're waiting for your high chair, the IKEA like white high chair that's wipeable and a footrest that you can insert into there is like bang on the money. Absolutely. So the Kmart or the Ikea
3: one are Oh, yes, fine. Kmart obviously brought out a yep. similar version. Of course <laughs>
2: Kmart brings out everything the same. I don't, I don't <laughs> love their your budget,
3: more expensive them. version, but yeah. the very basic one is great. They're, you mm. can get them on Buy Nothing mm. really easily because everybody, you've know, outgrown them by the time they're two. For they're Worldwide
0: so people, yeah, yeah. Buy yeah. Nothing is like our free Facebook oh, yeah. community in, in Perth. I don't even know what to Yes, yeah, it's Worldwide. I've set up my, buy yeah. Nothing. Oh, is I've it? I've
2: set up my whole outdoor little play yep. area just with stuff that I've got off by nothing. Yeah. It's so good.
3: And so you can just ask for a gum tree equivalent kind yeah, of but thing. Uh, but free. But yeah, but free. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a really easy basic one to at least get you through kind of the year. Until your well, hatches until my hatches
2: is released. Really. Is that foot
3: yeah, so there's a uh, nibble and rest. Have a adjust a foot support that you can change the height of, and add to an IKEA or Kmart high I chair, and that's a really just reasonable, a, with your really discount code.
2: reasonable. <laughs> that
3: was an
0: interesting word. Reasonable, easy. Uh, yeah, Dr. <laughs> don't Kyla. worry. We invent we invent codes on here. Yeah, we invent
2: codes as well.
0: All right, nibble and rest. Dr. Kyla is now a code. It is. I'm pretty sure it is. Dr. It is a code. Do you guys have any last questions for Dr. Kyla before we before we wrap? up today. It's gonna be a long podcast even with all my food errors, but I think it's really important. I know we said we'd cut them out, but I think it's important we keep it all because even being a health professional working in Pete's, I don't know everything and having that's why I have Kyla in my text messages. No, I'm joking. (laughs) That's why I follow you and why we support each other because you're a genius at this introducing solids and feeding and family and meal times and building that healthy relationship with food. So I love it. Thank you. Thank you. you.
3: And I do think though that's like that's what I meant to do, right? Mm. Like I've been a dietitian for sixteen years. I I am good at what I talk about, but I also couldn't talk about no. the things that Nick talks about. No. And so you don't have to. I think if somebody tells you that they know all the things, or like, you just
0: can't. But also, like it's so easy as a sleep-deprived parent to just take on so many different messages yeah. as well, and like be like, well, what is actually right? So just having someone that you can go to that yeah. knows their stuff. I'm not going to swear, <laughs> but is a really so. Dr. Kyla
2: is your go-to for. Pediatric feeding. Loving the stuff on Instagram. Mm. Now that I've discovered this world of baby stuff (laughs) out there. (laughs) We just talked about the introduction to world of babies.
0: Dr. Kyla also has a reel on like solids readiness, which I'll share in the show notes. There'll be lots of goodness in the show notes today. There's two.
3: So there's one that's not ready and one that's ready. Okay. Because visual examples are helpful. Mm. So I'll pop them because you can't see us
0: here on the podcast, obviously. To find out more and join, visit babymealtimes.com.au.
2: So good. Cool. Thank,
0: thank you so, so
1: much. <laughs> Thanks, thank you, everyone. Great, thank you, applause. yay! And, and the babies—we babies. <laughs> got through it with the babies.
0: Well, with we the done, <laughs> baby. <laughs> we do have the same brain. Thanks, guys, for coming on to Baby Banter, and thank you for supporting Dr. Kyla because she is awesome. Cheers, <laughs> and we'll see you next month. I wanted to introduce you to my online membership, the Baby Play Academy, with over 250 purposeful play ideas from birth to walking masterclasses on rolling crawling walking and baby sign language bonus extras webinars from pediatric experts and tummy time and sensory play pdfs over 150 frequently asked questions at your fingertips and my favorite on hand support from my team of physio ot and speech as well as hundreds of other parents in our online support forum it is everything you need to play, connect, and reduce the anxiety around development in that first year and a half of your baby's life. Come and check it out at www.babyplayacademy.com. I would like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on the traditional lands of the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation. I recognize their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place, and acknowledge that they never ceded sovereignty. I pay my respect to the elders, both past, present and future. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Baby Banter. If you've enjoyed it, or if you have more questions, let's continue the conversation over on my Instagram, Nicole underscore Kids You can also check out NicoleKidsPhysio.com for lots of goodness, as well as the freebies mentioned today. Do you know a new parent or have a family member with questions? I would love it if you could share this podcast with them. Don't forget to leave a rating and review, and I'll see you next time on Baby Banter.
1: Hey mum, it's time
0: for Baby Banter.